0: One, two, three,
1: four. You are listening to Skylet the skylight books podcast skylight books is a general interest bookstore in the los Feliz neighborhood in los angeles you can shop with us from 10 a.m to 10 p.m or visit us online 24 7 at skylightbooks.com follow along at skylight books instagram and twitter you can subscribe to the podcast on podbean itunes and spotify thank you for listening and now on to the episode
0: Hello, my beautiful and lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylit. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Jake Jabor to read from his new book, Training to Be Myself, an indulgent odyssey of obsessions, confessions, and curiosities, followed by a conversation with me. But before I introduce him, I wanna remind you that Skylight Books is now open for in-store browsing, but just follow the CDC mandate and bring your masks and just be respectful of both the customers and the employees working there. But we really will be excited to see you come back. You can always shop online as well, 24 seven at www.skylightbooks.com where you can do curbside pickup, shipping, all the fun stuff. Jake Jaboy is a former TFA special education teacher, current ECB writer and performer, and founded We Improv. He co-created We're Gross with Gilly
1: and the Meat Improv. He lives in Los Angeles.
0: Jake, I'm so excited to have you on right now.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is oh, this so exciting.
0: This is this is going to be so much fun. Um, you have a reading for us today?
1: Yeah. Um. Uh. Th- I. This is just. A brief, I don't, should I give a little intro maybe? Yeah, or... give a
0: little intro, let, let, our listeners, <laughs> okay. let our listeners know what we're getting, what we have in store for us.
1: Okay, great. Um, well, the, uh, the book is about a uh, two-week uh, train tour uh, I took across the country for uh, an improv podcast I did, but leading up to that, I had some significant events uh that sort of um kind of determined uh how i'd be spending the trip so this is just a brief section um on uh uh attending my grandpa's funeral so um it's uh it deals with death but it's not uh too uh m- morbid <laughs>
0: um that what an intro what a great <laughs> intro it was great it was i'm in i'm like leaning in i'm like all right okay well uh, that was great, great.
1: Um, all right, here we go. Uh, the funeral, my grandpa passed away in October, 2016, but my family opted to have the funeral in June because so many of us are teachers and that's when summer break is. I hate this choice. I feel like I'm putting my grief on hold, but grief doesn't hold well. It doesn't sit patiently for its turn. It's in the waiting room, pestering the other feelings, happiness, curiosity, love, and it's screaming while everyone's trying to get work done. And it smells like booze. Instead of attending to my grief, I just pick at it, knowing I'm going to have to tear open the wound again in eight months, but I'm contributing almost nothing to the planning, so I bite my tongue. I've been labeled repeatedly by both sides of my family as sensitive, emotional, and overthinking. I'm the youngest member of my family on both sides, or at least I was for the better part of 10 years. Then my sister had kids, but they somehow were always kids while I remained the frozen baby. Reasons for this include, but are not limited to, My crying at a Little League game, throwing a fit over no one coming to my college graduation, and crying after a haircut at the tender age of 15. My dad has said in print that he's thankful there was never a draft for my generation, as I am too sensitive and would not have survived war. All of this is to say that my family doesn't really consult with me because I have a history of being an emotional bummer, except for my mom. My mom always considers me, even when she undoubtedly loses points with the rest of the family. This makes me a mama's boy who loves his mommy very much and his grandpa. When I was a kid my grandpa and I would walk on the beach and we would walk backwards so if someone were following us it would look like we were walking in the opposite direction. It didn't make much sense but for a kid it was sure fun to see an adult be silly and walk backward with me. When I was growing up we'd exchange letters. On my birthday he'd send a card that would say here's a few bucks to live a little and a few always meant fifty dollars. I'd write him detailed accounts of my adventures through elementary, middle, and high school. I can't imagine how self-indulgent and pointless those letters must have been. Much later, my mom said she visited him once, and she saw that he had filled all my letters away and had highlighted and underlined all the important details. When I went to college, he got an email address, and we would keep in touch about our living situations. For me, the dorms. For him, a new house he bought with his new wife, who we met on eHarmony. He was encouraging, even when I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he was vulnerable when, alone again, he had to move into a retirement community. We were both going through transitions, and I like to think the comfort I felt was mutual. When I was 20, my dad and I stayed at his place for two weeks one summer because we were helping my mom, who lived nearby, build a pantry in her house. For two weeks, every morning, my 85-year-old grandpa would get up early and pack us sack lunches with sandwiches, fruit, and mini candy bars. When I moved to San Diego, he was 87 and only 30 miles away. So we started going out to lunch on Sundays as often as every week. He still drove, but didn't like to. So I'd park my car at his place and drive him and his girlfriend around in his. Nine years later and after moving from San Diego to Los Angeles, 100 miles farther away, I don't think a month went by where I didn't see him at least once for lunch. I could always count on consistent uniqueness from him. He'd sing to the server or hostess or in the elevator to his girlfriend. When one of his children or grandchildren would come for an overnight visit or vacation, there would be slippers and robes with our initials either ironed on in felt or written with permanent marker. For most of the time that I knew him, he lived alone, but his house was stocked for family, coloring books for the youngest, Bill O'Reilly for the oldest, and boogie boards and Oreos for everyone. He'd routinely make efforts to bring his family closer together, often sending his two sons and his grandson the same Hawaiian shirt or leather vest. His taste was not always impeccable and insisting we get together to take a picture in them. For Christmas, he would send a package addressed to the Jabor's and in it would contain a multitude of presents with no names on them and an envelope with a handwritten letter and a stack of $1 bills. This was the guessing game. We'd each get a chance to guess what each present was. And if you guessed correctly, you'd get $3. And until I was about 11, I'd get two guesses as I was the youngest. He'd ask me if I was happy with work, and if I had any ladies in my life, and he'd pick up the check. I'd thank him for lunch, and he'd tell me it was his pleasure, and that I didn't know how much my visits meant to him. If I'm honest, I started visiting him because I felt it was something I should do. But now it's clear it was something I needed. Aside from my roommate and a couple other people, he was the person I grew closest to during my time in California. For 23 years of my life, he was my grandpa. For the last nine, he was my friend. But perhaps that's not even accurate because I've never had a friend who, in exchange for clearing out his inbox, would take me out to lunch at Islands because of their excellent bottomless fries, in his words. When I moved into my own apartment for the first time in my life and needed a deposit but hadn't got a paycheck from my new job yet, he sent me a check and wrote, you are ace in the hole. That's more than friendly. That's paternal. But he was more than a parent. He used to get mad at me for not saying sir or for tucking my hands in my sleeves. All of that fell away the more we hung out. He'd ask for dating advice and give his own, telling me I should always send a card. Our time together never felt he focused or me focused. It was us focused. He would inject little sayings into every outing. Some I'd heard elsewhere. You've got champagne taste on a beer budget. But others were Nick originals. Once when we walked down the hall of his retired living apartment complex, he said, welcome to the hardware store. Screws on the left, nuts on the right. Or when something surprised or delighted him, Nina Ross, the kickin' horse with the golden hooves. To this day, none of us, his family nor Google search, could provide any insight into who Nina was or if she was a woman or a horse. He would sing to hostesses, steal cookies from the dining hall, and always gift a crisp fifty-dollar bill to help with gas. He was always so aware of the people around him, so conscious of his impression on them, and as he got older, so determined to ensure that that impression was a positive one. For nine years, I saw him weekly, roughly 450 times more than I saw anyone. And so it's impossible not to see my immigration to the West Coast as equal parts adulthood exploration and a study in aging and generosity. I have anxiety over this funeral. It feels like I'm in middle school English. And the teacher said, Jake, stay after class, except class has been eight months. My stomach is turning and I can't be present because I know something dreadful is waiting for me. How can I possibly enjoy now when later will be worse? That's the rub with death. It's coming later and is usually a straight up bummer. The funeral is today, but my recording of it will be sparse. And as a result, the recounting of it will also be light. You're getting the stuff I felt emotionally present for or the stuff that hit so hard it left an imprint. The ordinary and the overwhelming. I'm sitting in the La Quinta Inn in Riverside while M, my girlfriend, showers. She is here with me and I am grateful for her company. Aside from her love, she is providing a comforting constant that I can tether myself to as the winds of loss thrash me about. I meet my dad in the lobby and we talk about Homeland. My adult relationship with my dad consists mostly of talking about what TV shows we both like. Not shows he likes and shows I like, but shows we both like. There's not a lot of room for listening to one another. It's mostly him talking to me about a show I like that he's watching. It's like show and tell, except it's eternally his turn. And we brought the same thing. We could also talk about my grandpa and his dad being dead, but we don't. Aside from a visit here to a friend almost 12 years ago, I probably haven't been to Riverside since my grandmother's funeral. And I certainly haven't been back to the cemetery since. I left the Air Force Cemetery in Riverside over 20 years ago, probably not thinking about whether I would be back. Even though my grandmother is buried here, I'm not sure it ever occurred to me to visit her. I'm not sure how often my grandpa did, but I sit in this hotel room, wondering if I'll ever be at the La Quinta again. I may not, I will probably be here in Riverside again because I would like to visit my grandpa. That's the thing I'm thinking about most. As I try to project out to my last days, looking back on the life I lived, my memories and time with my grandpa will have to share more and more space with new experiences and memories and relationships. And I hope that the space for him is always protected. I read cards he sent me 10 years ago, and he wrote me much more as a grandparent fulfilling his role, saying things like, It's been nice to get to know you, and I enjoy your visits. And then when I look on more recent letters or think of things he said during our weekly lunches, he really saw me as someone close to him, obviously as a grandson, but equally a friend, a companion of sorts to usher him into his final years with some positivity. It has to be so hard to get old, to lose loved ones, to be left to wander, to be idle, to miss and to love. I see now we probably made it easier on each other with my transition to California and his to old age. We were both on our own in ways we didn't quite plan for. And we were there to make sure we had love and support along the way. Was that good? I was good.
0: (laughs) I love that you gave this like heartfelt, emotional, like I was like in, and then afterwards you ask, was that good
1: <laughs> no, i just was, wanted to make sure i didn't read too much or too little or no you read the um, that was great that was
0: fantastic um yeah i'm sure our listeners right now are like what like why would he ask that that was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that was great um no thank you for reading that um
1: thank you yeah thanks for your i me feel the like, space.
0: i feel like you like shook me a little bit where i'm like where oh my god i have to i have to go i have to follow after that i don't know <laughs> well, i i'm like gonna sign off now and be like you know what? you take <laughs> this way. i'm good i don't want this now um, no please stay
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no um well the first thing i want to talk about i i know i did like an introduction for you but i feel like it didn't encompass like you know a lot of a lot of what you've done so could you give us a little you know recap on just like who you were in 2016, when all this stuff was happening, but what was happening and like how you got there.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, well, I I grew up in Colorado and I went to uh Colorado State. And after that, I uh was I was waiting tables in a college town and just having a great time. Uh mm-hmm. and some of my friends uh, worked at the restaurant and were uh five or six years older than me, um, and um, they had also gone to Colorado State and hung around. And uh, I could see how fast uh, time would sort of get away from me if I stayed in uh, Fort Collins. So Mm -hmm. um, I I wanted to move and try something that felt uh, that it mattered that I did it. And that's not to say that, like, I mean, the uh, waiting tables matters. It matters a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. But. Um, uh, me bringing out the pizza versus someone else bringing out the pizza, you kind of get the same pizza. And so uh, <laughs> what, I, a, I, what
0: a great, you know, I, I feel like that's you're saying things that I'm like, wow, let me write this down. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me get my note. We can write that down.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we can all bring out a pizza. Um, and so I wanted to do something that felt like it was it mattered that it was me specifically doing it. And I had family in San Diego. And so I moved out there and got a job uh, working for AmeriCorps um, with youth on probation. And I did that. And that's how I got closer to my grandpa. And um, then I discovered through a friend, uh, long form improv in Los Angeles at the UCB theater. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to get to Los Angeles. And that took a little while, but uh, Mm -hmm. Once I got to Los Angeles, um, I applied for Teach for America uh, and uh, did that program. So I taught special education. That's a two year program in Los Angeles while also I was improvising and um, uh, sort of, yeah, making that kind of my life, teaching during the day and trying to do comedy at night and visiting my grandpa in the evenings and Mm -hmm. uh, and I continued to teach. And I got uh, a girlfriend and I found a roommate through improv and we lived together for eight years. And then um, in 2016, uh, my uh, roommate moved out. um, So that was like a shift in basically what I'd come to know as Mm -hmm. like my Los Angeles home life. and then my grandpa passed away. Um, and then uh, my girlfriend and I um, came to the end of our relationship. We sort of actually planned out uh, the end of it, the breakup. Uh, it was very wow. mutual. Um, uh, we just, uh, and this is all in the book, but we just felt sure. differently about um, having kids. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's something that I didn't see myself doing and something that she really wanted. and. Mm -hmm. So through couples counseling, uh, we found kind of a it sounds weird, but like an exit plan. Mm -hmm. And so and then I was doing an improv podcast and we had made this plan to sort of take a trip across the country and stop in cities and do improv. And we Mm -hmm. were going to do it by Amtrak train. And so the end of my living situation and uh, my grandpa passing away and the breakup um, all preceded that trip. so mm-hmm. I I found myself in Los Angeles at one point feeling like, oh, a roommate and a boyfriend and a grandson. Mm-hmm. And then within uh six to eight months or whatever, the all three of those relationships had sort of dissolved, and I was going across the country. So I had kind of uh used that. I figured it was, uh, well, I basically didn't really know. I mean, I think everybody's trying to figure out who they are at different points in their life, but I had felt so defined by my relationships and they had ended. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of figure that out. And I figured Mm -hmm. being on the train and I think America sort of romances train traveling and writing. And um, it sort of made sense to write this stuff down as it happened. And with the goal of like coming out of it with a book to see if I could do it
0: I mean I feel like there's a sequel book from the people you from the perspective of the people you traveled with like yeah being like what it was like traveling <laughs> with this guy who was you know going through this you know yes was, I would say devastating time of his life and being yeah like, yeah what was that like from their perspective <laughs> I feel you know what I I feel like i'm gonna to talk to them i'm gonna have a separate podcast with those oh guys good they'd probably
1: appreciate uh yeah they appreciate a little, an opportunity to
0: <laughs> yeah i feel like uh, it'll be great you won't be a part of this book but like it'll be totally it'll fine be about you. yeah okay just yeah sure yeah just i shot sure. my
1: shot so they're they're free to <laughs>
0: they're free to go perfect <laughs> yeah um no i mean like i feel like for those three things happening like and tell me if i'm wrong it's just like did it hit all of this was it like something that hit all the same for you or did it hit in waves was it like something you were just like oh this oh this oh this bigger thing was it like that
1: yes um yeah it it was um it it did hit in waves in a way that was sort of like um you know i i'm somebody and i i think other people may have this thing where it's like oh we use our support systems or whatever to deal with the loss of our support systems like that's kind Mm -hmm. of and so this kind of came about in a way where it was like well a roommate moving out is uh like all of this stuff is actually like pretty typical life events but it's like well Mm -hmm. my roommate moves out uh well I can talk to my girlfriend about that finding a new roommate things like that um Mm -hmm. uh or talk to my grandpa about it and then it's like well my grandpa passed away and well, now my I, my roommate's not here to talk to you about that. Right. And um, right. and then my girlfriend and I sort of finding an end to our relationship was like, oh, well, my grandpa's not here to talk to that about. So it it hit in waves in a way that also, I, I mean, it uh, sometimes it's like, oh, how did you plan to write this book or what, what? And I don't think until you sort of ask that question, have I been able to articulate it in the way that I wrote it because it was like I had (laughs) I had these feelings or things that I was going through and they were hitting me in waves in such a way that like the people I had previously talked to about it weren't available or accessible. So it was like I had to have an outlet to do that, I guess, Uh, which is why it's a very self-indulgent book. But it was like taking these events that I would normally use um, uh, or normally like lean on other people for, they were all about not having people to lean on for. So mm-hmm. that's not to say that like my parents weren't available and uh, mm-hmm. my Josh who did the podcast with me and other friends and things, but those were the three people I was closest to. So it mm-hmm. it always kind of felt like, um, uh, you know, like it, the, my books on the like nightstand weren't easily yeah. accessible I had to reach further out uh to sort of like get what I needed if that answers that
0: no I mean it does but also did you feel like during that you had to learn how to like you know talk to yourself about these things like in because I feel like that's something that like is hard to do <laughs>
1: it's yeah easy process. um yeah and I I think um I maybe learned that process over the course of that trip and mm-hmm. Um, and then probably the the writing of the book was the learning process. And I think mm. like, uh, it's that thing where it's like, oh, well, doing that project got me better at the thing that would have made like <laughs> I'm better at it now uh yeah. <laughs> than when I sort of set out to do it uh, mm. for that specific reason of like, yeah, it's a lot of like talking to yourself and, um, and I, I do consider myself uh, an introvert. And so mm-hmm. time alone is something that I cherish and like, and mm-hmm. it restores my energy. Um, but uh, human connection is so also so important to me. Right. Um, but it's not, I, I am not always easy to find it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had to sort of, yeah, rely on, talking to myself in ways that like I hadn't before, I think.
0: And I mean, like, even as an introvert and as a person who's experienced uh, moments of like loss and as an introvert, it's like, even, even though I love the moments with myself too, which you, which you just said you do too, like in those times, it's like, I lost that as well. Cause now it's like work now, like being (laughs) by myself, isn't that work? And I, Hate work. I hate work honestly. If I could never work again, I'd be um I'm, I'm this is a shout-out to anyone who could free me from this life of work. Yeah, come find me.
1: Please reach yeah. out. Um, please no, freelance work. from that. Uh, free me.
0: Um, hashtag freelance from work. <laughs> um, start the movement. No, like it's like it's that becomes that safe space of being by yourself becomes like now this, like not a safe space because
1: these intrusive things are coming in. Yeah, that's really well said. Sorry. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no. But I was going to ask, did you did. Was that something that you had to like reckon with?
1: Yeah, Um. I mean, yeah, I don't think I could actually. I think you put it so well of like, oh, that that time by myself that is usually used to recharge uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, self-care or soothe or whatever those kind of like ways in which we uh, value that time and um then became times of like, oh, I've got to. This time is now work time. Uh, sort of work in the set, like, uh, grief. I guess grieving time. Uh, and yeah. and grief is, I mean, I read so many books on it. Uh, because it was, and I found that I found a lot of comfort in that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, because it is, it's so hard, and it is. It comes in waves uh, in ways that you like don't anticipate it coming. And I feel like it is uh, at least I have not uh, any attempt to be like, well, I'm going to skirt this grief or like I think that's why it feels like work is that like it's not something optional. It is something that you have to work through. Work through, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it is something you have to work through. And like, cause avoiding it is just like, it's, as my therapist would say, toxic <laughs> or. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I kind of moving on from that, one of my favorite things to read is like, uh, perform comedians, improv people who write stuff that are like, you know kind of devastating because they they really know how to like balance the line of both like wow I'm weeping on this one page and the next page I'm just like crying or not crying sorry laughing crying from laughing <laughs> yeah because like I'm just like wow that's hilarious and that's well like I feel and I feel like you do this well in your book where it's like oh there's a nice balance to it where I'm not like coming out of it like uh, I'm going to go jump off this bridge but I'm also now coming out of it like wow I'm this feels like a three-hour comedy show where I (laughs) like just was like mind-numbingly laughing the entire time it's a perfect balance how was it writing that did you was that something you found your voice like found through writing it or was it something that you came you knew that was a part of your voice already
1: Um, well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate that. That, uh, it's always really, I mean, yeah, it's so nice to hear, uh, the intended effect, I guess. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I think, um, it's, I think the balance came in that, like, uh, we sort of spend our, uh, like, I think you have to seek out comedy in life, like occasionally Mm -hmm. things happen, but um, uh, tragedy mm, sort of finds you, uh, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, And so I felt like life experience had had made me very familiar with sort of like uh, grief and tragedy and devastation and those types of events, uh, Mm -hmm. big and small. Um, But comedy was something that like I always pursued and had been like paying money to get better at right Uh, and um, I suppose I pay money to a therapist to get better at processing grief and things Uh, but (laughs) in terms of like uh, finding that balance it felt like well I I felt sad uh, or I've had no choice to but have those kind of like sad feelings and stuff Mm -hmm. so that um, was there and then the comedy was something that I worked hard to have experiences with and sort of sharpen as a skill set and I think going into it, I I definitely thought well this will be mostly just funny uh, even though those events were there, I don't think uh, it's kind of that I it's it relies a little bit on like, well, my intention or the thing that I'm actively pursuing is comedy or to sort of like get better at that. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily realizing that like, Oh, you're, all of us are constantly practicing how we deal with our other emotions. And so as I wrote the book, I think I found myself um, like kind of surprised at how much of it was, more serious like i mm-hmm. i uh and people who perform comedy or pursue comedy uh often deflect very well using comedy i think it's like it's it's uh can be very useful uh mm-hmm. can be a coping mechanism but it can also be kind of like a crutch in that like oh i never have to be sincere i can always sort of like be under this veil of comedy yeah no uh,
0: 100% i mean Oh my God! Should I be a comedian? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I feel like it's this thing of like, and you were talking about it in the when you, in your reading just now about like, you know, being a sensitive kid and being like, it's like your heart's open, your your chest is open, your heart's super vulnerable, and so com- comedy is kind of that protective shield where like you get to like, mm-hmm. you get to just be, <laughs> you not like, if you're funny, you don't have to like, feel it all. Which is good. I don't think United. I, I feel like some people would be like, "That's a negative thing to feel," but no. It's like you know, sometimes you need you need. It's it's a it's not a crutch. It's a
1: um, like a coping it's an armor. mechanism. A coping or, yeah, or an, an armor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I mean, in that, in also, I mean, it's 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 a uh, interesting to me that like you were saying this about the book, but also at the same time, you probably had to be like, you know on all the time cuz you were traveling you were performing you were you know be, you were doing this big trip that you planned where you had to be on as a performer while <laughs> dealing with all these emotions um it just it seems interesting to me how was that
1: um it uh it was con- like it was wild it was and i'm uh i mean i'm really glad uh, to yeah, to continue to be self-indulgent. I, I am really glad that I wrote that book because I was in such a place that like mm-hmm. I don't think I would have remembered much of what the trip was about had I not taken that time. And that's mm-hmm. true with a lot of experiences I find for myself. But this one in particular, where it was like, you're right. I I was we were doing this as um. It was no by no means paying the bills, but it was kind of like a job ish type thing. I mean, we had Mm -hmm. to show up at a place and perform and it's comedy and I love it. Um, But it is a little bit of like you have you have booked this show to perform live comedy and uh, with any responsibility that people have, or it's like, all right, I've got to see to that responsibility, even though I'm going through a bunch of stuff and like, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I do think that having that escape to go on that train, I was incredibly fortunate because I don't, I think it would have been a lot. It was a great coping mechanism or a great shield to sort of be like, well, I can spend the, time on the train in thought, uh, Mm -hmm. thinking about things or reading about things. Um, But then I got to get snapped back to like it it was almost an overload of senses in a helpful way of like, whoa, I'm now in Austin, Texas. I've never been in Mm -hmm. Austin, Texas. Like there is enough new people and sights and sounds and uh, comedy to sort of say, like, you've got to pay attention to all of this. and pulled me out of it for a little bit uh, to give me an opportunity to sort of like balance it out. But it does feel like had I not written that down, I would have lost it all probably in a fog. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because it's I think we would I think that's another coping mechanism, you know, is like you're you're not always so fully exposed and present because that can be painful. So uh, I was very fortunate. To have the opportunity.
0: And to go off of that, I think there's a, this is a really good transition. Listeners, this is how we do transitions. So i <laughs> um, No, I mean, I think to go off of that too, this book is kind of like an open wound for you. Must It feels like an open wound too, because this is so much exposing yourself to this tragedy still, or this tragic devastating time for you i don't know how you would yeah, I, yeah you know this terrible horrible you know, i'm just <laughs> i'm just gonna keep saying these words until like yeah yeah i just bring you to tears you know that's good <laughs> that's good that's good uh podcast good interviewing good, you know, yeah, 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 yeah yeah um no i mean this this time for you that was very hard this book is this book is that this book is that time how does it feel now to like you know, even this interview talk about it, talk about this. Does it feel like it's opening up that wound still, or is it like just a
1: nice memory? Um it uh it does a little of both. I mean, there's the sort of like to pull back the curtain a little bit is like I I had to edit and rewrite and revise everything. Um and uh it, th- that comes there are so many like um, uh, like transitions in there uh, where it's like, oh, uh, the first time through it was really hard and sad. And then the second time through, it was like, oh, what was I trying to say here or whatever? <laughs> like, you know, it becomes kind of like just processing. And then the right. third time uh, it's like, oh, I could make this a little better. and And each time and then there's a time where I have some distance from it and I had to go back through and edit it and was really emotionally affected again and like Mm -hmm. having a ton of sort of empathy for this version of myself that wrote the book and feeling like oh I I feel my I like condolences to my former self uh Mm -hmm. of who was really going through something and um and there are embar, like there are parts that feel like opening up old wounds both emotionally and also just like I can't believe I put that in there uh you know like you had so right. many opportunities to change it uh right. so there is that process of it um and uh I can read it with a little bit of distance because it did happen you know three years ago and um but also, uh, and not, I mean, like, this is self referential and kind of uh, gross, but like, in the part I read, it's like the thing I worry about as I get older is like the sharing of space in my heart and memory of the times I spent uh, with my grandpa or my girlfriend. And so, having the book to sort of hold that for me is really nice. And I, I anticipate I will continue. Well, actually, I don't know how often I'll go back and read it, but I anticipate at least in my lifetime, I'll do it a couple of times and hopefully get to read it um, from some distance and uh, be kind of like as my uh, therapist, Suggested I do during difficult times is to have like a, a step of removal where instead of mm-hmm. the things happening to you, you're sort of watching these things happen to someone and you can kind of mm-hmm. be like more kind uh, or mm-hmm. uh, more thoughtful because it's you're observing it as opposed to just uh, like taking it all in. And so mm-hmm. the book uh, will take that on, I assume at this point. Mm-hmm. Um it mostly comes up uh, if somebody reaches out and says, like, um, I, my sister in uh, particular reached out and was like, I didn't know all of this stuff. And um, she was like, and I, I'm just like, she was very touched by it. And, mm-hmm. and that, uh, I guess, viewing it through someone else's eyes continues to sort of be like emotionally impactful, if that makes mm-hmm.
0: sense. No, well, that makes sense. And by watching it, you know throughout your life, I assume you mean it's going to be adapted into a twenty-four film starring, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Timothy Chalamet as you probably. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: oh, thank you! Wow, no yeah, problem. no
0: problem. I mean, that's a it's a good get. Congrats! Um, oh, thanks, yeah, 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 yeah. unbelievable. I mean, your grandfather, you played by like. Oh no. not Werner <laughs> Werner Herzog Werner Herzog yeah oh incredible I mean, that's a, a, that incredible another good I'm thinking A24 vibes yeah yeah you know? yeah Ari Aster will direct it I, um, I love this perfect perfect I'll get I'll get we you know what congratulations it's cast coming out next oh, fall guys incredible um, wow that is fast tracked uh, they work fast you didn't even that's how good they are that you didn't even know they were doing it that's, no I
1: had no idea I'll see it for the first time, like everybody else. <laughs> um, congr- well,
0: oh, no, let's just put, I'm putting that energy out there. Cause you know,
1: great. That's, Me too. That's good well, stuff. that energy and hashtag uh, freelance for more.
0: Freelance for more. Yeah. This is guys got to make this happen. Get online. Get there get is the a
1: play on words, on words with freelance.
0: Did freelance. Oh, wow. Freelance. This is good. You know what? Um, you're hired as a new PR person. I feel like <laughs> All right. Have, great i mean you have the a24 movie as a reference on your resume now too so you got the job oh um, great
1: look how mutually beneficial this is This is excellent. exactly right look at us
0: uh, no um but yeah no to, like i feel like that was a great like way to say like i mean good reason to write a book right to like not even for the audience for mm-hmm. yourself too, for yourself to like be able to. I mean, I feel like in 20 years you'll we'll be able to look back and be like, oh yeah, this is something I loved that I might have forgotten and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, um, you know, just keep that spirit alive, keep those things alive that you know in, left. <laughs> yeah. Um, left but in a good way. Left in a way that you got to like no, no left in a good way, sorry. I mean memories that left but left yeah, in a definitely in a good way. Yeah. Um what the what's i want to say what's next but like what what's next for your career as a writer like now you've written a book you've you got like that under your belt your a24 is next year Colin. Mm -hmm. um right i mean no but like like really what's next are you gonna is this like something that you now feel is a part of you, like the part of your personality as an author. And I know you were, you wrote for UCB mm-hmm. and you did a lot of writing there too, but like, this is like now, you know, self-reflection writing, real, uh, real, writing, yeah, real no. personal <laughs> life.
1: writing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: sorry, UCB yeah. writers. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, UCB writers about that. Please don't <laughs> hate me. Please don't uh,
1: go against the freelance movement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they appreciate the freelance movement and, um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I will continue to do it. Um, I'm, uh, working with somebody right now to help write mm-hmm. more of a, like, practical book, like an, um, a how to write a pilot book. So that is, uh, you know, more, uh, academic or instructional technical. Um, it's scratching that itch though, for me, uh, and, um, I want to keep doing it. It's uh I think um I don't know. I got really lucky in that like uh I managed to preserve sort of the idea that like this was a project for me and mm-hmm. um uh and I think back on this quote uh that I heard that was basically like uh it matters way more if five people love your work than if 100 people like it, uh, mm-hmm. which is a nice thing to repeat to yourself when your book is coming out uh, to okay. be like, I just got to get five people. Just <laughs> the um, five, just five. Just just five. A... <laughs> uh, but it's true. It's like I, mm-hmm. I, I got to write it for myself. That was always mm-hmm. the intention. And uh, I, I got to hear from people. I mean, I would have done this a long time ago, had I known how many people from my childhood and mm-hmm. my past would have like texted me uh, to say like, hey, I picked up your book or whatever. And it was like, oh, I got to like reconnect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for an introvert. It's easier to sit in my uh, apartment for a year and write a book than it is to just pick up the phone and call someone. Uh, so, would you?
0: That makes, that makes no sense. That's, I mean, write a book, tell them what's going on in your life. You don't have to hear any. And the best thing about that is they don't have to like tell you anything about themselves. You're just like, here's me, goodbye. Here's me, <laughs> goodbye. goodbye. Exactly. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, you'll, you said you got lucky, but it, which is, I mean, it is, there's luck as a factor, but also it's a good book. Like, it's a good story. Thank you the story is you know it's very specific to your your past yourself your personality your all of these things so i mean yeah that's that's a part of i feel like what makes a good book good yeah um and since and you know since this is a book podcast i have to say like <laughs> books are good books are, books good, are good books, books are good books
1: are good oh they're books, so good
0: books are good hashtag books are good this is part hashtag of the books are, good. Hashtag books are good no um no, this has been this has been a great podcast. I've had a good time on this. Um, so have I. This is, I mean, I feel like I've learned, you know, so much about you, so much about. You, rye you wrote this book and i mean i feel like listeners you should go out and buy this book now go run be one of those five people be one basically there's a couple uh,
1: spots but left so a couple spots left. this we-
0: is a giveaway where you get the <laughs> thing you get in return is a good story <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> run 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 to your closest bookstore and get a copy uh, no this is the last thing i want to ask you is um what would you like to say to you know listeners of the podcast right now and uh, readers of the book and you know friend also friends and family I'm guessing who are gonna who are affected by this book too
1: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, a, a thanks, thank you, like, uh, thank you to yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to sort of, and it feels like a cop out for a writer to be like I can't find the words, but uh, mm. to I'm just like so grateful uh, for anybody who took the time to pick it up or listen to this or check it out. Uh, it 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 really does mean a ton. I can't tell you um, because in truth, by the end of getting this book out there, I was like pretty tired of it. <laughs> uh, and so to have somebody, writing. yeah, to have somebody <laughs> say like, I appreciated this thing. Um, uh felt really good and it helped other people reading this book. I know like obviously you picking it up helps me, but maybe to express the way in which it helped is what I'd like to say is that like um, something that I've kind of like discovered post writing the book or whatever is. um, It was something that I did for me, which is really important to do those things in your life, to do the things for you. Um, And I always prioritize like also trying to have an impact. And so often I felt at odds with those things. Um, Improv comedy feels like a very uh, sort of selfish uh, interest and teaching special education on the flip side felt like a very selfless interest. And um, I I was sort of constantly sort of struggling with uh, the like finding those two things feeling like mutually exclusive in that like Mm -hmm. you could do something for someone else. um, And that would feel good in that sense. Or you could do something for yourself and that would feel good in that sense. But um, when somebody picked up this book, a thing that I did for myself and they enjoyed it, it did sort of like unlock this idea or this revelation that like both are possible that you mm-hmm. can uh be kind to yourself and do things for yourself and invest in yourself um and that doesn't take away from and there are ways to do it in which it's also helpful to other people and uh not that my book is like saving or changing lives but just somebody who's like i like this it was a good use of my time or I enjoyed it. Uh, and the flip side is true, too, of like, there is so much to be gained for doing things for other people. And um, I 1000 percent wrote this book for myself. And I am uh, I take no shame in that. and I'm very proud of being able to do that for myself. Um, but uh, I think you don't. Ha- I think both are possible. And I I Mm -hmm. don't know that I articulated that in the best, but like um, you can do things for yourself without them being selfish. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you try and keep other people in mind and um, or do things for other people and see how that helps you, uh, I guess. That was a weird way to answer that.
0: (laughs) No, I think it was a good way to answer it. Cause yeah, no, I mean, like you could do, you could do things for yourself you could do i feel like there is a truth in that for writers like sometimes writers want to write for themselves sometimes the story they tell is so they could tell the story and i mean no it's great that people it's great that people connect to it and people can you know see it and say this is something that i also dealt with and i'm glad someone else did but like also it's good to be like I wrote this because this is how I felt in the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, perhaps the slight revision is like, write for yourself a thousand percent. But you, in doing that, you don't know who else you might be writing for. And mm. I think maybe putting that front and center of like, write for yourself, create for yourself, uh, and trust that if you do that, um, you might also be doing something for someone else. Uh, mm which is cool
0: and also wow way to like really balance that um you know that that selfless selfless selfish you know life just like teaching special ed and then improv comedy you really are finding the balance there <laughs> well, You're trying you when you, you'll you'll end up in I don't know whatever middle ground is there between like you know the I'm I I one of my favorite shows is The Good Place, and I feel like it's that middle. You're going to be in that middle place
1: for sure. Yeah, the middle place. Because
0: the... <laughs> you're doing the selfless thing, and then you know, improv is straight to hell. Straight. You go straight down. To <laughs> straight to hell. hell yeah. It straight is to hell. No Fast stack. track. Uh, fast track. Um, mm-hmm. There, there's no middle ground there. Yeah. Um,
1: so hell is just, full of improvisers.
0: I mean. <sighs> yeah but it's <laughs> you know their heaven was on earth you know what i mean <laughs> their heaven was on earth but their yeah. afterlife is in hell uh, <laughs> again again used to be improvers don't come after me yeah um i'm really i'm really showing my hand here because you know exactly where i work and where to find me <laughs> um oh god there's just gonna be a bunch of improvisers after me which you know good
1: is... they won't be after you but they can go to the bookstore and pick up a book
0: they can pick up a book all i have to say is like yes and and that'll distract him enough there you go away. yeah i'll escape
1: I'll, that's, that's all it I'll takes escape.
0: i'll be like they'll come after me like yes and and then just run away just run yeah. the other direction give it's them a prompt
1: see. uh buy yourself <laughs> some time
0: be like uh, uh waitress on the moon go <laughs> <Just run away>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no this is this has been fun this has been a great conversation like your book i feel like we balanced humor and Sabbath yeah. very well. My therapist would be proud of me. Um, oh, good. That's great. Um, but then I'll tell her everything else in my life and she'd be like, oh God, all right. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> she'll like, see you next week. Um, <laughs> no, this has been so much fun. Yeah, um, it really
1: has. Thank you.
0: To our listeners, you could buy Jake's book right now. It's sale at Skylight. Do It's actually right in the front in our podcast display. So please, please, Ooh. please go pick up the training to be myself um, right now. Run to Skylight. Go drive in your car. If there's improvers in the way, just, you know, run them
1: over. Jump a curb if you have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Again, improvers, please don't come after me. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't be so, doing
1: their space work in the middle
0: of the street. In the middle of the street. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. It's their fault, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, don't forget to follow the freelance movement and to watch yeah. the A24 adaption of this book next year. Um, <laughs> we got a lot done today. We are a well lot done today. I feel good about it. I feel good about Me it. Too. Um, we also I'm also going to write that book with your, um, the, the people you traveled with for your. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you you,
0: so, you, Jake, you should check that out next year, too. Um, I will. I can't <laughs> yeah, wait. Please I'll pre order all the copies. Do. Perfect. 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 We need the sales. We'll need the sales. So thank <laughs> you for that. Uh, no, uh, for real, guys, go read this book. It's great. It's a great. You'll feel so many great emotions and just have a fun time reading this um this book I think anyone who experienced both loss in a time of both happiness and sadness they'll understand but um yeah, yeah what a i feel I was like there's there's i i also just got like well wow, this has been i got one of those emotions where I'm like this has been a this is Wow, this has been a good episode. This yeah. is a great episode. Um, Jake, do you have anything you would like to say to the independent bookstore community or just you know, book readers and booksellers?
1: Oh, keep reading. I like, and yeah, I think especially in these sort of like kind of like gray area times that we're in, mm. uh, I have found so much comfort in books. Um, mm. it has uh and if you're and in if you're a reader or part of the independent book seen you already know that but um yeah maybe give a book to someone uh That's I uh, they're like don't tell me what to do but uh <laughs> oh, book I readers. just am so appreciative of books and the community and bookstores and mm-hmm. they really like helped me out immensely during this time
0: no and just thank you for, thank you for going to your independent bookstore. I want you guys to know yes. that Jake literally walked in and was like, oh my God, I want to, were you signing, you were signing copies, right?
1: I was signing copies. You were yeah.
0: signing copies of the book. You were so excited to do it. I was like, come on our podcast.
1: Yeah. And you were thank so you. great doing oh, it. Oh, that no, was so excited.
0: No, no. This is anything to show off, you know, to help a local improver who's, you know, <laughs> going to hell, but, <laughs> right. um, you know, give yeah, them please. their time. Help to, me out. no, no, this was, this was a pleasure on our part. Um, And yeah, to our wonderful, wonderful listeners, thank you so much for coming back. Or if it's your first time, thank you so much for listening and please come back again. You all have a great and beautiful rest of your day. Do something nice for yourself today. Thank you and have a great day. Goodbye.